Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're glad to be with you on this Tuesday. We have so much going on with Manufacturing Talk Radio and our new corporate parent, MBC. So stay tuned for some exciting developments and announcements that will be coming up in the next uh, weeks or a month or so. But before we get to our guest today, and we have a very exciting show that is part of our global show, there was so much global news we had to break it into two parts. So let me talk with Lou for a minute here. Lou, how are you today? I'm doing terrific. I appreciate the, the question. Uh, being it's a long show, uh, let me get right to it. Uh, do a little postscript of our show last week, which was also uh, really quite terrific. Uh, Barbara Troutline, who is a PhD, uh, of the name of her company is Change Catalyst. She's a leadership strategist, keynote speaker, and an author of a best-selling book, Change Intelligence. Uh, which is an interesting uh, process that she talks about uh, regarding projects that fail, which have actually nothing to do with the project, but have to do with the people and the people's buy-in or not buy-in. I highly recommend, particularly management people, to uh, get get the book. It's at, I know it's at Amazon. Uh, I read it. It's terrific, and I think it might be helping you uh, terrifically on uh, – existing projects and people issues that you have within your company. That said, uh, a couple of news items. Uh, Reuters reports uh, on an economic poll just out that the majority of economists in U.S. believe that the U.S. uh, economic expansion is going to last, and this is on average, last two years. Uh, and that was a, a group of 34 economists out of 57, of which 13 said that they feel as though that the economy is going to be expanding for three years. So that's uh, all a lot, a lot of good news. Uh, I don't, I hesitate to ask what comes after the two or three years. <laughs> so we'll, we'll worry about that uh, later on. Uh, this month, July. U.S. employers added 209,000 uh, jobs, uh, which was, uh, you know, really terrific. Uh, and it's uh, got a, a side benefit also that uh, the likelihood of the Federal Reserve raising uh, interest rate for the third time this year is pretty much not likely. Uh, they may wait until after the turn of the year. Uh, one more item, also a significant sign of the times. Oil rigs start. Uh, oil rigs are still restarting. There's now a total of 768 oil rigs that are running, and that's up from last year at the same time at 396. So that's a, a huge jump and uh, is really saying something for what's going on uh, in the manufacturing and production area of our economy. Uh, Tim, uh, I'm going to flip it back to you, and let's get the show on the road. And we'll go to our guests. Uh, On our global show, we actually had to break it into two parts. Part one is today, and part two will release uh, either this afternoon or tomorrow, more likely tomorrow, because we've got to edit it up. Today we have Chung Wang, who's reporting from China on Asia, and we have Royce Lowe, who is in France, reporting on the EU and the UK. So let's get to our senior international correspondents. So we are joined now by Chung Wang, who is our senior international correspondent. He is over in Asia, and he is actually in China, reporting on China and Japan and some of the other Asian countries and what is happening with manufacturing there. Chung, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. How are you this morning? Good morning, Tim. It's nice to be back. And hello from Lou. Hi, Lou. How are you? Nice hearing your voice. Uh, Same. I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good. 
So how's the wonderful world of China? Well, let's start with our usual China Manufacturing PMI report, uh, which which we got at the beginning of the month uh, for July. The report, uh, Manufacturing PMI, was at 51.1. It's a 0.6-point increase from June. This is the second consecutive month of increase since the slowdown in May. The main growth factor uh, this month is the rise in new orders. Most companies reported strong growth in domestic and international market demand, uh, including export orders, which rose by the fastest pace since, since September 2014. This is a growing market demand. Uh, production growth followed the rise of new orders, of course, but employment has actually dropped, uh, and it has dropped by the steepest, uh, largest amount in the past 10 months. Uh, reports show that um, companies are are cautious in their hiring, but I think this this drop in employment is also partly due to the heat wave that hit southeast manufacturing hubs in the past months and making some workplaces unsuitable uh, for work. You're not big on air conditioning. Uh-huh. No, they're not. In order to minimize costs, most companies do not have air conditioning. Tim, did I ever send you the picture of the uh, of the homemade air conditioning? It's actually a big industrial fan with a bucket of ice in front of it. That's pretty much what they have. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, but when the temperatures rise to... 41 degrees centigrade, it, it, that doesn't really help. It melts to water. Ooh, that is it's... toasty. Yeah, that is toasty. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, so backlog of work actually continued to increase because the, um, the production could not meet demand. And on the other hand, escalating material prices uh, also raised input costs and output prices this has been the fastest pace of increase. Uh, it's, it's even faster than last month. Uh, we have discussed the rise in metal prices in, in the past, and uh, Lou, I believe you once asked me for some statistics. Let me just give you a few examples of the uh, material that goes into high-end metals. For example, nickel. Uh, nickel has risen by 15% from last year, and chrome has risen by 35%. Vanadium rose by 50% and cobalt more than doubled. So for higher end materials, uh, alloys, the the price hike is very steep. Shown that all these uh, <laughs> elements going into uh, what we use for metals or what all metals and forge uses for metals uh, has jumped <laughs> so radically? Well, there are several reasons that we believe is the case. One is the a reduction in production because of the global downturn, market downturn, and production has reduced from before. Another is the, um, the international market is also on the rise, but the, the situation in manufacturing hubs in China is especially affected because they, they, they're not only affected by the international raw material prices, but also transport pricing. Last year, we had a reshuffling of the of the shipping industry, where some shipping lines went out of business, and uh, the cost of shipping is higher now. Uh, the cost of importing is higher, and the cost hmm. of coal, because China is cutting back, is, has this year. There's already been four times that where the central government sent uh, environmental inspectors around the country, four rounds of inspections. Many companies have been closed down. Many um, coal mines have been closed down. Coal production has dropped, uh, has had a steep drop, and coal prices are higher. So that contributed hmm. to the. Uh, I think, uh, Chung, on the, on the national, mm-hmm. on the international stage, uh, there is a fair amount of speculation going on, also, which mm-hmm. also plays a, a role in pr- the price increase increasing on basic yes. raw materials. So that, that doesn't help either. Absolutely. That doesn't help. And domestically, even in the uh, small scale, when you talk about uh, smelters, uh, they are also, there is also an amount of speculation. When smelters suspect 
that uh, prices are going to go up. They may buy more raw materials and stock and decrease their sales, decrease their output in hoping that the raw material prices will go up further in the coming months. So, that's so how kind of GDP doing? Uh, last month was pretty steady. GDP increase was 6.9%, uh, uh, same level as the month before. I was going to say, I, I don't think that the U.S. has ever seen a 6.9% GDP. <laughs> but I think oh, yeah. China, considering that they were at 12 and 13 and 14 two, three, four years ago, that's a huge drop in that period of time. So many are saying this GDP is relatively uh, growth is relatively low. Correct. But still, uh, what we see is that the uh, Chinese government is cracking down on um, what they perceive as unhealthy growth, uh, supporting what they see as healthy growth, including renewable energies, new technology, innovation, and really cracking down on uh, polluting industries such as steel steel mills and coal mines and others. In this in this area, and also there, uh, this this past week they've been cracking down on Chinese firms' mergers and acquisitions abroad, saying that they're taking money and buying assets uh, in other countries. Uh, the government is is going to uh, stop many companies from doing that in the future, and they, they, there needs to be a government review before any merger, further merger and acquisition, uh, takes place. It has and will continue. It has and it will mm -hmm. continue. Is it not true? Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Um, but then again, the current administration in the U.S. is, uh, how should we say, uh, slightly unpredictable at times. But um, but mostly, I, I think that's going to be the case. Um, but this this uh, companies will just have to adapt adapt to the situation as we understand what it's going to be. So what's going on between the United States and America on the business side, politics aside, how's corporate America uh -huh. responding to China? Uh, their response is actually pretty, pretty good. Um, last month, there's this report that uh, corporate America is actually doing very well in the China market. China has become a reliable source of profit growth this year. Many major U.S. companies have reported stronger second quarter earnings and revenues from China market, uh, most notable uh, in the construction equipment and semiconductors and coffee business. And I've heard some, some U.S. companies are exporting steel and, uh, well, higher-end steel to China as well. And uh, there's a housing and construction boom which includes, uh, as we talked in the past months, uh, the um, Belt and Road Initiative, which a lot of those construction, uh, power generation projects are coming online. And, the, um, and there's been a slide in US, USD versus RMB exchange rate. So U.S. exports are becoming more attractive, more competitive uh, in this market. The American firms have been... Um, exporting a lot of heavy equipment to China and and Asian countries. And this is worth billions of dollars of, uh, of orders. Uh, for example, Caterpillar leads this market and last month reported a 25% growth in its Asia-Pacific sales. Their shipments of large excavators to China have more than doubled since uh, in the first half of this year. So Caterpillar's president and CEO uh, told investors that uh, we now have an uh, expect demand in China to remain strong through the rest throughout the rest of the year. And on the other hand, uh, Caterpillar's rivals, Japanese companies Komatsu and Hitachi Construction Machinery, they also reported uh, similar growth in demand for heavy machinery. For example, Komatsu China sales almost doubled in the firm's uh, April to June quarter. That's coupled with the uh, decrease in U U.S. currency uh, exchange rate, uh, making U U.S. machinery more attractive. And is that because there's a lot of construction going on in China where they're deciding to use Caterpillar yes. products? And, and what kind of construction is taking place in uh -huh. China? I imagine it's everything, every place. Yes, it is more more or less everything, every place. Uh, 
the government is pushing for infrastructure uh, investment, and uh, the housing boom is also part of plays into the role. Uh, the rising housing prices, uh, rising demand for housing, and uh, governments invested infrastructure. They're building railways, roads is everywhere in the country, and also including the railways and roads throughout the Belt and Road countries and ports and uh, train stations and uh, electricity generators and other supporting uh, constructions. Just like we're doing here in this country, huh? That was a joke. (laughs) We're not doing it. The United States is missing the boat on this. Uh, It would raise manufacturing. It would do so so much good instead of us doing what we're doing on a day-to-day basis, watching the soap opera play out. Uh, they should be out there. Uh, I mean, we've got something like 5,000 bridges that need to either be repaired or replaced. Uh, China is really so far ahead of us on this score that it, it's almost embarrassing. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I think there's really something that could be learned here because what China is doing in terms of construction is one is that uh, the government is supporting it. Uh, build build roads. There's a famous saying here. It's called build roads first and then you accumulate wealth. So um, the motto is that uh, if, if an area is poor, uh, I mean econ- economically poor, it's because there's not enough infrastructure to support the uh, economic growth. So build the infrastructure first and then there will be growth. But uh, as you told me last time, you visited China once and saw some uh, ghost towns. But I also saw that uh, in riding through the back hills and woods mm-hmm. of China, that they build the highway, as you say, they build infrastructure first. They build a highway, and then out in the middle of nowhere, the highway stops, and then they build a city. Mm-hmm. And uh, in <laughs> some cases, it worked. Uh, that brought then brought in uh, uh, industry, and you now have a uh, a profit center. Uh, but a lot of these buildings, uh, again, there was a lot of speculation in China, real estate uh, uh, speculation, where people were buying two and three and five and ten homes and or apartments, and uh, they're not living there, and there's no one else living there. So I, I have been there, and I've seen the ghost town. Very modern, very smart-looking, and the only person you see on the street is the the old mm-hmm. Chinese woman sweeping with her broom right. to stand from the Gobi Desert. <laughs> I would, however, I would, however, agree that, like in the U.S., we built the interstate highway system. As a result of that, America had tremendous growth. But in China, the automobile industry is still uh, kind of protecting itself from U.S. imports. Is it not, Chong? Uh, well. It depends on which side you're looking at. Uh, so it's it's probably yes and no, but uh, I would say yes because the according to the administration, Chinese administration, they're saying we're not protective. Where we have a we have a set of rules and everybody obeyed by the same set of rules. However, those set of rules are are set are designed to uh, to favor local companies, uh, technologies, and standards. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, in the uh, electric car uh, industry, they, ha- they have a certain set of rules that cars meeting certain criteria can enjoy a tax benefit and can enjoy uh, free license plates and such and such. But uh, the, the, it just so happens that, that uh, Japan, the Japanese standard of electric cars, don't fall into that criteria. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, it's depending on what where where you're looking at. So um, there's complaints from international car makers, including U.S. automakers. Although at the same time, U.S. automakers are making uh, a great uh, leeways in, in into the China market, and their sales have mostly uh, been growing uh, this year. And how about other areas of the Chinese economy or the U.S. interaction with them, the chip industry in the U.S. or or those kind of uh, businesses, Chung? Uh, yes, they're they're doing very well. Uh, in fact, one of the main exports from U.S. to China is semiconductor chips, processing chips. Those things are are the uh, the main value item that goes into the consumer electronics that are assembled in China. 
So when you look at an iPhone, the, um, the most of the value comes from that chip. That chip is actually made in the U.S., right? For, for example, the, uh, the Massachusetts-based company, uh, Skywork Solutions, uh, according to a report, they have 85% of its sales from China. Uh, and this year reported its uh, fiscal third quarter revenue to rise 20%. And this is in part due to Chinese phone maker Huawei and Qualcomm, which uh, represents two-thirds of, uh, of their China uh, revenue. Yeah. As we wrap up this segment, Chung, anything else you want to report on that's happening uh, in China or its relationship between China and the U.S.? I thought you might ask me about North Korea. Uh, there's been uh, a well, lot of reports. Always an interesting topic. Why is, yeah, go ahead. Why is yeah, something happening Korea. in North Korea? Something's happening, but not much. Uh, in order to give you the accurate reporting, I actually uh, personally went to uh, a city close to the North Korean border. I am currently actually calling you from from this city. Um, I'm uh, less than 200 miles, I think, uh, from the Korean from the North Korean border. Uh, actually, I'm here. Uh, on business and visiting friends, but uh, it's interesting being here to to learn what the people are really thinking about, are feeling on the ground near the border, and uh, tensions are actually not high. Uh, people don't believe there will be an actual conflict. The the recent uh, what what they call a war of saliva, or rather war of words, uh, between U.S. and North Korea, uh, they think is is not. Uh, will not be substantiated. And the UN Council uh, have uh, sanctions, uh, new sanctions towards North Korea on some products such as uh, iron ore, um, coal, uh, I think textiles, uh, and seafood. So uh, we are, they, the, the port cities here already got notices that uh, starting from tomorrow, they are not allowed to import these things from North Korea anymore. This is one month ahead of the UN deadline. I would still so make room. Are, I would yeah. still make room in the Gobi Desert for the refugees for, that will be coming in from North and South Korea. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, South Korean president uh, today made an announcement calling for a calmer calling the U.S. and North Korea to calm down and please don't, uh, we can't afford to have another war on the Korean Peninsula, basically. Well, uh, actually, uh, they are talking. Trump is talking and <laughs> stirring the mud. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like a monologue, really. Uh, it really Sometimes. is. It really is. Uh, more like a soap opera monologue. Well, Chung, we always appreciate the uh, input from China because it's uh, such a growing economy and what we have is a global economy today. So thank you for reporting in from uh, some town uh, just 200 miles away from North Korea. <laughs> thank you, Tim. A pleasure being with you. Okay. Thank you, Chung. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Elevate your career and stay ahead of the curve with EISM. Brought to you by the Institute for Supply Management. EISM is the first on-the-go lifestyle-compatible learning initiative in the industry. It features hyper-short 15-minute modules and guided learning courses that can be completed in as few as three weeks, just right for you or your team. It's the world's largest one-stop online learning shop for supply management. Register today at ismelearning.org. Hey guys, are you bothered by rising transportation costs? Do you worry that your vendors and suppliers are also in the transport brokerage business? Do you sometimes wonder if you've got the right amount of product and supply available to serve your customers and get the job done? Well, if any of this is on your mind, I've got the free resource for you. It's called Inbound Logistics, and it reveals the ways companies just like yours took control of inbound product flow, rationalized transport costs, reduced inventory requirements and touches, all without dinging customer service. Go to InboundLogistics.com, look for the free subscription link, and sign up today. This message was sponsored by Manufacturing Talk Radio and All Metals and Forge Group. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 
30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it. And it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're here with Royce Lowe, who is our senior international correspondent, who talks about what's happening in the U.K. and the E.U. Royce, happy to have him on the show. Royce, are you okay. with right. us? Yeah, bye for I now, am. Bye. Very much so. Right. <laughs> you're, you're just How are you a, both? Good, good. How are you? I, the, the last word I heard was waspaloi. Right, right, right. So is south of France in the month of August really all that it's made up to be? What do you mean? Nobody's working? Yeah, Yeah, right. All that, too. Well, that's effectively... that's effectively the name of the game in uh, in August, uh, particularly in, uh, I suppose, the one that's, uh, uh, that people associate with it is, is Paris, when they say that um, the the average speed of cars on a certain uh, on a key ring road in Paris jumps from 38 kilometers an hour uh, to 52 kilometers an hour in August. Uh, right. You know, the, the, it's it, it is, uh, and and pe- lots of people sort of look at um, look at Europe and uh, and look at the long holidays they take and say, well, good grief, you know, do they do they work over there or what? And right. uh, uh, anyway, somebody's put this to bed by saying that um, uh, of the ten <coughs> most productive uh, countries in the world. Uh, nine are in Europe. Uh, the only one to break the chain is the U.S., which is in fifth place. Uh, so the, there is—I don't know—maybe it's the fact that they all—they all get it. They all go away for three or four weeks, and, uh, and they say, "Okay, we'll, we'll work, we'll work, we'll work." And and they do. And apparently, the figures su- suggest that. Uh, for example, I mean, the country that we never even speak about is number one, is Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because uh, they got everybody's money. Th- that's probably it. That's probably something to do with it. And the second one is Ireland. <laughs> Go figure that one. <laughs> these, are, right, are, these are huge, huge GDP countries that are going to turn the world Yeah, market. exactly. Well, the uh, no, the, uh, the U.S. It's Luxembourg, Ireland, Norway, and Belgium. Then the U.S. Then Denmark, uh, France, Germany. Okay, uh, this place. That uh, and uh, this sounds like a political discussion. You know, somebody uh, creates a set of facts from a particular point of view. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing of that is too that uh, of the top ten countries, the U.S. works longer hours than, than anybody else, too. The, the, the work week is, uh, is somewhat longer. The, the U.K. is in 15th place, by the way. Doing these days, you know, we've had an awful lot of talk about Brexit, and everybody was running around like Chicken Little saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling. In the meantime, it's kind of yeah. a big ho-hum. 
Well, in in the month of July, uh, in August, from a, from a manufacturing point of view, uh, it was there was a near near record um, growth in in, in uh, new export orders. Uh, the PMI was up to 55.1 from 54.3 in um, in uh, June, and new orders, production, employment are all up. They they figured that the increase uh, in exports uh, may have something still may have something to do with the exchange rate. This is getting to be old hat now. I mean the pound's been down for over a year. The key markets uh, in which the um, the UK plays, uh, for example, uh, Europe and North America and Asia Pacific, they're all they're all coming on strong. So. Right at the moment, the, uh, the as far as manufacturing goes in the UK, it's looking okay. Uh, one one cloud on the horizon here is the uh, is the car sales, uh, the car registrations in the UK, which which are down for the fourth straight month. Uh, they're down by nine percent year on year in uh, in July, and according to the Society of Multi Manufacturers and Traders, these are the guys that keep their eyes on it. It's it's, it's effectively uh, concern or uncertainty over our friend Brexit. But uh, right at the moment, manufacturing in the UK is uh, is is looking is looking okay. And um, the Brexit thing, I'll I'll do a swift thing on the Brexit thing. <laughs> the, the Europeans are saying to the to the uh, UK, well, you know, get your get your house in order and tell us, you know, tell us what you want to talk about next, because apparently there are two factions in the UK who are complaining about uh, the fact that they are not putting the emphasis on on the correct things in uh, in uh, in the negotiations. The main one of the main things, of course, is the is the fee that the UK might have to pay when they leave. And the other thing is the rights of the uh, EU citizens uh, living in the UK. Um, it's it's all a bit of bit of black, bit blackmailing, really. You know, there's, there's the Irish border <laughs> thing too. So the, basically, the the Europeans are saying, well, well, come on and let's let's go. So there there will be further negotiations in the near future. But it's I'm afraid it uh, unless something is is signed, sealed, and delivered. In other words, uh, if you're an EU citizen, you've been in the uh, UK for five years, will you definitely be able to be a, a, a UK citizen? Uh, or will you be able to get a UK passport, etc., etc.? And these are questions that latest news I've seen uh, have still to be answered. And it's it's bloody right at the moment. It's bloody. We don't really know what's happening, and and, and there are people that are saying, "Well, hell, uh, we we may even be leaving without a deal," you know, uh, which will be terrible for, for really for for the UK. It, it's an ongoing thing, and uh, I'm afraid I can't. I'm afraid I can't give you any definite information as to what's happening at this moment. Well, neither can the politicians. <laughs> so we wouldn't expect. Neither you can to. the politicians. No, no. And, and in fact, there are some people in uh, some people who are living in in Europe, the UK citizens living in Europe, uh, accusing Theresa May of effectively holding them to ransom. You know, it's not funny. It's, it's not. It's not good stuff at the moment. How's it from the EU side? How's manufacturing holding up? It's got to be doing pretty well in Europe right now. The uh, Europe is doing is doing well. It was uh, the the PMI was slightly down in uh, in July to 56.6 from 57.4. Uh, but even at that, you know, even at that, it's sort of the best performance they've seen since the first half of 2011. The uh, most improved operating conditions are seen in Austria, the Netherlands, and Germany. Um, there is solid improvement in Italy, France, Ireland, and Spain. Uh, growth in France is uh, one of the fastest rates they've seen in over six years. Effectively, there's, um, it's still optimistic. Uh, business optimism is still high in Europe. Um, the rate of increase in employment in France is the fastest seen in almost 17 years. I, I, I don't know. I don't really know where that, that popped up from, but that's what uh, that's what I read. That's what I hear. 
So it's 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 looking very good at the moment. Car sales are up. Car sales have been been up for months and months now, really. Up 11% in France, uh, 1.5% in Germany, uh, 6% in uh, Italy, and 25 in Spain. So things are looking good at the moment in 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 Europe. Uh, an interesting uh, some interesting comments regarding what. Um, uh, our friend uh, Emmanuel Macron is uh, is doing. He, he he seems to be coming through as a little bit of a, you um, might say, uh, Napoleon at the moment. He's he's uh, <laughs> he's, um, he's strutting around a bit, um, uh, showing his weight a little bit, and uh, but effectively, is uh, is giving and taking. So that the so that the union, so that the workers will not uh, will not sort of shy away and uh, and start pouring out into the streets. Um, it, it it is looking as though the man is going to do do stuff. It's early, of course. It's early days, and uh, we're, we're all we're all optimistic about that. It is interesting, uh, Royce, that uh, Italy and Spain uh, have the you know fairly significant unemployment. Things have improved there, and they have an unemployment of 11 and 17 percent, uh, respectively. Mm-hmm. Italy, Spain. It's almost like they're there by accident. I mean, the rest of Europe is doing great. There's manufacturing, and you know, Italy. They're uh, drinking uh, wine midday, and uh, Spain. They're making uh, you know, straw hats and skirts. Uh, what what's going on in in those two countries that they're not uh, industrially caught up with the rest of Europe? Well, they, they um, uh, Spain was was sort of held back by uh, by government stuff until the last until the last few years. Spain um, Spain has come back uh, yes. in the last couple of years. It was it, it was it was just not. Just not doing anything. Uh, they, they, they seem to be getting the house in order uh, right at the moment. It's it's um, it's not to say that they don't do anything. They I mean they're, they're quite uh, they're quite involved in car manufacturing. They're they're, they're, in, they're into steel making as are as are Italy, Spain and uh, Italy are, um, both into um, both into engineering in uh, in. in in a pretty big way, and uh, of course their uh, their exports and everything go to go to other parts of the uh, of the EU. But um, they they make they make machinery, they make vehicles, they make engines and pumps the way everybody else does. And uh, it's just that uh, Southern Europe is Southern Europe seems to have been hit uh, more so than. Um, than, than the rest of the uh, the rest right. of Europe, and uh, I, I think I think to some extent this is a you know this is a cultural thing, <laughs> quite frankly. But um, they are coming back. I mean, 11 percent and 17 percent. Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, Spain was up at 25, and I think Italy was, was quite a bit heavier too. It's, it's just the way, it's just the way it goes. I mean, France is just under 10. Uh, has been for, right. has been for a long, long time, and now they're saying that the that the employment figures, that the employment outlook uh, for France is uh, is better than it's been for a long, long time. It uh, it's just it's just the way it's just the way it is. You know, to to give you a, a definite reason why Spain and Italy uh, are where they are, I, I I don't think I could at this uh, this time. Okay, it's something for us to look into for future discussion because it is a curious mm-hmm. item, uh, and maybe mm-hmm. it maybe is culturally and uh, geographically uh, related. Well, Royce, uh, oftentimes you give us kind of a uh, a great insight into what's happening in uh, those countries of Europe and the UK that we don't get from our media here in the state, they, other than maybe a, just a simple snippet. Anything unusual? Mm-hmm. You said there was a couple of headwinds that, that Europe may be facing. Anything unusual? Are that, Well, let me take this topic, for instance. Are, is Europe concerned at all, paying much attention to, the uh, hissy fit between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un? 
Well, yeah, of course. Um, of course we are. Uh, I think it's... <laughs> I think it's I think it's worldwide, and um, uh, I I I think there are factions uh, in Europe the way there are factions in probably in North America where some people believe what is uh, taking that that seriously, and other people take him less seriously. But um, I think the the uh, the outlook in Europe right now is oh okay, well this is Trump again. You know, this is Trump again. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they seem to be used to uh, hearing. I mean, let's face it, uh, since this guy's been in power for a couple of months, um, how many times have we heard what he's going to do, what he's going to do, what he's going to do? And uh, how many times have we heard these ridiculous statements that he that is in the habit of making? And, yeah, I'm, uh, I mean... Some people are, are worried. Uh, I mean, when when you when you look at what's what's at stake, uh, when you look at uh, what this what these two guys are saying, um, yes, the answer is yes. There is there is worry, but I think probably to a less extent than than you find, um, say, in Japan <laughs> or South right. Korea. Um, but um, yeah, um, we're worried and. Uh, but on the other hand, we know it's Donald Trump, and um, we, we 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 have to hope that there's somebody there who's who's patting him on the shoulder and saying, "Okay, Donald, uh, just let's uh, just calm it, and we, we, we'll take care of it." Uh, which I hope is happening. Uh, <laughs> is, is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> we hope so too. Well, we, well, no one really knows knows that for sure. It just seems as though every time he gets criticized, no matter what the topic is, he comes back harder. And that's been his philosophy: "You hit me, I'll hit mm-hmm. you harder." And I think the, mm-hmm. the real the real concern, at least from my standpoint, and I'm not talking politically. I'm talking about my concern is that you know he could hit the button just to prove that I'm the tough guy to do it. And, uh, mm, mm, yeah. and and without a whole lot of forethought, I think that the man has uh, issues and always has. Uh, he yeah, loves his yeah. military. He wants to be, in my opinion, yeah. he wants to be a war president, and because uh, they usually wound up being the most popular presidents. And I think that's in his mind. Being president isn't good enough. He wants to be a war president. Mm. End of my end, end of my yeah. political speech. That was one of the things that, that crossed my mind. That he's he he always wants to, uh, the the man always has to be right, and uh, what, whatever he says, uh, he, he figures that whatever he says, he's right. <laughs> right. That's what. Well, I know that's what's a, a bit scary. I know there's a good deal of frustration building up in the U.S. because manufacturing is really waiting for Congress. To get things done, the Health Care Act, which mm-hmm. is not done, tax reform, which is not done, yeah, you know, all the things that Trump ran on and promised, which you can do as a candidate, but a candidate doesn't control Congress. And as we have experienced, right. and Lou and I have talked about it many, many times over the uh, last 20 years we've been working together, is that Congress tends to be the uh, stick in the mud in terms of getting things done. And while the president gets to blame, it's Congress that has failed to act. And that creates uncertainty. What's happening politically in, well, you say France is in you know, pretty good shape and Macron is making people happy. So that, that creates some certainty over there. Uh, the UK manufacturing does not seem to be slowing down, even though there's uncertainty there. How do you read uh, it? it, it, it right at the moment it's 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 not uh i i think uh, i i do believe there is uncertainty in manufacturing too uh but the, 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 there'll, there'll be uncertainty in uh, in all kinds of things until until they get some some things um signed sealed and delivered uh for, for brexit and uh, I, I, I don't think anything is, is going to run smoothly for for long, long time. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it it's, uh, the the right at the moment, okay. And and I think a lot of this is due to the fact that the pound is is, is low, ten or fifteen percent below what it was a year and a bit ago. 
Um, and it, it is, there, there is an air of uncertainty, there's an air of uncertainty. I mean, if there's an air of uncertainty regarding the uh, automotive industry in the UK, for example, I mean, um, we, you, know, you know, we don't talk much about how many automobiles are made in the US, uh, UK, but a hell of a lot, and a hell of a lot of them are exported to Europe. And, and, and this, of course, if, if, if they don't get a deal from, uh, from Brexit, if, if, if the deal is, is sort of half here and half there, then somebody's going to start talking tariffs uh, for uh, automobiles that, that are sold to Europe uh, and vice versa. So it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a bit messy. Um, it's it's just one of those things that we 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 won't know we won't know for sure until uh, uh, as, as I just mentioned uh, uh, until these guys in uh, Barnier and uh, Davis the, the 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 two guys who are negotiating this until they get something concrete for want of a better word <laughs> see me talking manufacturing. Um, right. So the UK is is um, is up for grabs at the moment. We 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 just don't know. Um, mm. If 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 I were to say if I were to say manufacturing is going to go on for a lot, I think it will for for some months. The the, the fact that people are stopping buying fuel cars, I mean, nine percent down year on year is is quite a lot and. There is talk, too, of course, that if they get uh, what they call the hard Brexit, in other words, if, if, if Britain's sort of left out in the cold, that their, that their uh, standard of living is going to drop by about 2.5%. So people are looking at this and reading all this and saying, my God, I'm going to have less money in a year from now, so I won't go out and buy a new car, et cetera, et cetera, right. and I won't buy this and I won't buy that. So it's a, it's a question of wait and see, and um, I, I don't know. You know, I honestly don't know, yeah. but <laughs> wait and uh, wait and see is also bad for manufacturing. They can't afford to yeah, wait. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, otherwise, they're clearly going to ramp back. They're going to cut back on employment. They're going to do something to make mm-hmm. sure that they mm-hmm. don't start hemorrhaging cash. So yeah, I, I mean, unemployment is 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 low in the UK. Uh, and 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 they're talking, you know, they're talking that on the one hand, uh, unemployment's low, but and on the other hand, they're saying, well, okay, we'll stop the immigration and this and that. The other, if, if they stop immigration into the UK, they're, they're cutting the throats. They need immigrants in the UK, the way they do in the US, the way they do in in just about any place in the West. We need immigrants, and uh, an awful, uh, you know, I'm 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 not saying this. Uh, from any uh, political angle, but an awful lot of these people uh, are very, 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 very good. They oh, really no are. doubt, yeah. I, and, and, and I don't, think anybody, I don't now, think anybody's one, parsing it correctly. They're, they're just saying immigration in general, when what they're really doing mm-hmm. is they don't want the criminals to come in, they don't want the radicals to come in, they don't want the illegals to come in. What they really want is legal immigration and everybody's fine with immigration, that, yeah. well yeah. i don't know if donald's but, but fine, I mean, with that. fine with that i don't think he's fine with uh, open-ended uh, uh uh immigration excluding criminals and terrorists first uh, it's possible yeah. he stands out as someone who isn't a big fan of immigration although we all got here from somewhere <laughs> that's exactly absolutely. right absolutely and that, that is what makes this country great but yeah, uh, we'll, it's we'll what see. makes a lot of countries great. Absolutely, Royce. It's been great. Uh, we appreciate your uh, insight. Uh, do you have any additional points you'd like to make before we uh, wrap up our segment? Uh, I'm a bit of an optimist when it comes to uh, when it comes to this kind of thing, and 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 I think that I think that Europe is gonna is gonna do well for some time. Uh, and I, I think that um, providing everybody uh, gets down to work on, on, on this Brexit, Brexit thing and, and gets a few points uh, signed, sealed and delivered uh, that, 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 that are important for the, for the manufacturing point of view from the, uh, from the countries. Uh, in, in, instead of talking, the, the, the banks are talking about uh, t- t- 
taking people to Frankfurt, taking people to Dublin, taking people here and there, uh, pulling them out of the UK, which which doesn't all go well. But I mean, this is this is this is all talk at the moment, and uh, unfortunately, we can't uh, you know we can't put a, uh, a really good finger on it. My personal feeling is that it's it's okay for the moment, and wait and see. <laughs> Yeah, we're all going to spend a lot of time waiting and seeing. Royce, we appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio, joining us every month for our global report. Thanks for being with us again today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Yes, you too. We will. Bye for now. Okay, another terrific conversation by our uh, senior uh, representatives around uh, around the world, China, U.K., France, uh, and we are going to be having our second part of this with Chad Moutre, senior economist from the National Association of Manufacturers, good friends of ours, and Norbert Orr from Strategist from the, uh, uh, the PMI Global Report uh, that he comes out with every month. Uh, Tim? Yeah, Lou, it was an excellent show. Everyone stay tuned for tomorrow's show. And as always, come back to Manufacturing Talk Radio at mfgtalkradio.com for news that gets posted daily and shows that are popping up more frequently now, more than one a week. And we've got some exciting new shows coming online very shortly. Also, tune in to A Global Perspective with Dr. Adriana Sanford. There'll be some new episodes there as well. And we appreciate you listening today to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.